Hello, friends. It's time for the second hour of Open Line with me, Michael Rydelman. It's Moody Radio's Bible study across America. We're talking about your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. My name is Michael Rydelnik. I'm the academic dean and professor of Jewish studies and Bible at Moody Bible Institute. We're live. We're all sitting around the radio kitchen table, and we're talking about your questions. Hope you have a cup of coffee, maybe a second cup of coffee, because it's the second hour. And give me a call. The phone number is 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. If you can't get through, go to our website, openlineradio.org, and you can click on the link that says, Ask Michael a Question, and Trish will take your question and put it in the mailbag and hopefully we'll answer it sooner rather than later. I hope you do have your Bibles open because we're ready to talk about the scriptures. We're going to speak with Debbie listening in Chicago on WMBI, Moody Radio Chicago. Welcome to Open Line, Debbie. How can I help you today? Thank you, Michael, very much. I have a question. Um, In Ezekiel, uh, the Lord told Ezekiel that Tyre was going to be just completely destroyed. You know, Nebuchadnezzar was going to come, and it would be completely destroyed. Yet in Acts 12, uh, it talked about Herod quarreling with Tyre and Sidon. When was it actually destroyed? I'm just a little confused, because, uh, uh, you know, exactly when that happened. My understanding was that Nebuchadnezzar, that they were going to get it from Nebuchadnezzar, and that it would never be rebuilt again. And then later on, they come up again okay, well, in Acts. Uh- let me read it to you, okay? I'm against you, O Tyre, and I will bring up many nations against you as the sea brings up its waves. They will destroy the walls of Tyre and break down her towers, and I will scrape her debris from her and make her a bare rock. She'll be a place for the spreading of nets in the midst of the sea, for I have spoken, declares the Lord, and she will become a spoil for the nations. Also her daughters who are on the mainland will be slain by the sword and they will know that I am the Lord. Now, uh, this is what happened to Tyre. Uh, when Ale- First of all, it was defeated but not destroyed by the king of Babylon. However, just a couple hundred years later, when uh, Alexander the Great came, he did exactly this. He used multiple nations to besiege the navies of multiple nations that Alexander had conquered already. He used them to besiege Tyre. But what the people did, uh, the people of Tyre, is they left the city and went to an island off the coast of Tyre. And they hid there from Alexander the Great. So Alexander's soldiers went into the city of Tyre And they basically scraped it clean. They took all the buildings, they took all the rocks, they took everything that was there, and they tossed it into the sea, and they built a causeway out to the island. And then they made their way and destroyed the the city that had been been sort of been formed on the island off the coast of Tyre. They destroyed that island and the people of Tyre there who were hiding from him. Now, what happened to the city of Tyre that was predicted? It was completely, uh, it had many nations come against her, just as it says. 
and the the walls of Tyre and her towers were broken down. Her debris, he says, I will scrape her debris from her and make her a bare rock. Exactly what happened. And it became the place where the fishermen of Tyre spread their nets. So where is the city of Tyre now? It's off the causeway and along the area where the city of Tyre was, but not the city as it was when Ezekiel made that prophecy. That is now bare rock. Okay? So when in Acts, when it talked about Tyre and Sidon, it was that island that, that they were talking about? Yeah, uh, and just... also it was rebuilt, but not on the same site. Ah, okay, okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That, now it's <laughs> you don't hear about Tyre anymore. No. Yeah. Well, no. Tyre is still a city. It's right there oh, in it Lebanon. Is? Yeah, it's still a city. Oh, still my. there. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That that makes sense. Um, thank you. And it's still Michael, a place where but... fishermen spread out their nets. Still a place wow. like that. The original yeah. Tyre. Yeah. Um. I. Okay. I just want to say one Which, more thing. By the way, there was a go. movie. There was a movie that George Sweeting, the president of Moody in the 70s, uh, he did a movie, I don't remember the name of it, but it was a Moody science film uh, about uh, prophecies that have been fulfilled specifically, and they showed the, the fishermen spreading out the nets their entire in the film. Of course, it's 50 years ago since I saw that film, but I remember when Doc Sweeting did that one. Uh, it was a great one. So anyway, uh, you had something else you wanted to ask? Yeah, no, not to ask. I just wanted to comment. Uh, the woman mentioned uh, earlier mentioned reincarnation from the Bible. I had heard that before, and they use the verse where Jesus uh, says, you know, they ask uh, the disciples ask Jesus when when uh, why do they say that Elijah must come? You know, uh, before the Son of Man. You know, before before Jesus come. And then he answers that if if you can accept it, Elijah did come, uh, and they did to him what they would. Of course, he, it wasn't reincarnation. It was John the Baptist came in the power of Elijah. Yeah, the spirit and, I and power of that, Elijah. But I think a lot mm -hmm. of people use that, you know, for yeah. reincarnation. And do yeah. I, don't you think it's so interesting that that uh, what does Elisha do when Elijah is taken up to heaven? Do you remember what Elisha asked for? Yes, uh, he asked to have the power, uh, you yeah. know, double power. Mm -hmm. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, in the, much the same way that Elisha or Elisha uh, received the spirit and power of Elijah in a more powerful mm -hmm. way, so the yeah. uh, John the Baptist also wasn't that he was reincarnate. He, was just no. he had just come in the spirit and power of, of Elijah. Uh, Elijah. Yep. That's right. right, but I, yeah, I've heard that verse used for reincarnation. Yeah. That was one I was thinking of. Yeah, very yeah. true. I agree with you. Yeah. All right, Great. thank you very much okay. for taking my time. Mm -hmm. Great, thank bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to talk next with Sherry in Nashville, Tennessee, listening to WFCM. Welcome to Open Line, Sherry. How can I help you? Hi, Michael. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my question is, I attend a yoga class uh, two or three times a week. Do you view this as being in, being in opposition to Christianity or being a Christian? Well, what do they do in your yoga class? It's, it's purely for, um, I view it and take it purely as physical exercise. There's 
um, no chanting or anything like that happening. Mm -hmm. It's stretching, isn't it? It's stretching and certain movements and you hold a position, um, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah. But they're not telling you about any kind of chanting or meditation or anything like that while you do it, right? There's no no chanting. Um, they do mention meditation, but we do not practice the meditation while in class. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had uh, friends who actually took classes where they did do the meditation, and those uh, friends meditated on Scripture, uh, when, which is a good biblical concept. Uh, whatever else mm-hmm. the the people were doing, the believers were meditating on Scripture uh, as they okay. held positions. Uh, let me just say, first of all, if I, I I think you shouldn't do it because every time I see someone in a yoga uh, position, it hurts so badly just to think about it that I there's no way in the world I would ever do it. But that's only a joke. Uh, I what as long as they're not putting anything into your head, just stretching your body and holding positions and things like that, that's good for your health. And I, I really, I think it's a good thing. Uh, okay. Uh, how, but I, I think that what happens is people assume that the spiritual part of yoga, which is false, uh, is part of your class, but it's not. So. Yeah, uh, it is not, it's not part of this class. And I heard something earlier this week that when you do yoga, you're mixing darkness with light. And you should not yeah. do that as a Christian. Yeah. Well, uh, that's the meditation part. That's the chanting part. That's that. Okay. Uh, that's the, the, the stretching is just stretching your body and the holding a position is just physical strengthening. It's, it's not. That's how I not, view it. Yes. That's how yeah. I view it. And that's how my, the mindset I use while I'm in class. And it's yeah. nothing now, that I take any further than that. Let me let me just tell tell you why I feel this way, uh, that it's uh, it's like eating meat sacrificed to idols. People who had been in paganism, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to go to, go to Zeus's butcher shop because of all the associations. But Paul says if you if it's not an issue for you, it's amoral. It's without moral significance because eating meat sacrificed to idols. There's there's nothing there. It's just meat. Uh, right. And so. Do, do you follow? Uh, that's I do. Yes. That, that's the issue. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't okay. worry about it. Okay. 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 Great. Thank you so hey, much. Yeah. Thanks so much for your call. We're going to come back with more of your questions, but we're going to take a break right now. Uh, if you'd like to call, the phone number is 877-548-3675. Or what you can do is you can always send a, a question by going to openlineradio.org and leaving your question at the link that says ask Michael a question. We're coming back with all your questions in just a moment. This is Open Line with Michael Rydelnik. Stay right there. Welcome back to Open Lines. So glad that you're listening today. Uh, if you have a question about the Bible, God, or the spiritual life, our number is 877-548-3675. We're going to go right back to the phones. But, but you know, before we do, I do want to mention that I so appreciate the partnership that we have with all of you who listen, but especially those of you 
who partner by becoming kitchen table partners. You know, we you you're the ones that really keep our program on the air weekly. Even though you give monthly, it really keeps us on the air weekly, and we so appreciate it. Uh, and that's why we send you the kitchen table partner Bible study moment. It's just for our kitchen table partners, designed exclusively for kitchen table partners. And uh, they, every other week, you'll get something in the email. You click on it, and it's uh, it's me uh, doing a little Bible study, five to seven minute Bible study uh, with you. It's something that I really enjoy doing with you, and appreciate it. Uh, the appreciate it the opportunity to do that just for our kitchen table partners. Uh, if you'd like to become a kitchen table partner, the way to do it is by going to openlineradio.org or call 888-644-7122. That's openlineradio.org or call 888-644-7122. I so appreciate you considering it. And we're going to be back to the phones now. Martin in Northern Idaho on KMBI. Uh, that's our Spokane station, but you're listening in northern Idaho. I guess Spokane is right there. Welcome to Open Line, Martin. How can I help you? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Good let's morning. talk a little bit about the wedding supper of the Lamb in Revelation 19, verse 9. Is that an actual meal or is that a figure of speech? Because I don't think it's an actual meal, but I may be wrong. Uh it could be called the wedding celebration, and I don't know if it's an actual meal. I presume it's not. It's just a figure of speech about celebrating uh, the marriage of the Lamb. I think it's Isaiah. Uh, it talks about the great messianic banquet that's going to take place in Isaiah. Okay. Uh, where Can I find it? I don't think I can. Somewhere at 26 or 28, something like that. There's a, going to be a great messianic banquet. Uh, does that mean they're going to eat at the Messianic banquet? No, it's it's using the figure of a banquet for the entire Messianic kingdom. So, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you that it's not necessarily a meal, although we will have great meals. I'm assured of that, you know, that's uh, and no calories, apparently, when we're in our glorified bodies. So that that will be good, don't you think so? No, no watching our weight or no desire to do that. I think that'll be cool. So, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think necessarily when it talks about the marriage supper of the lamb, that it means anything other than the celebration of the wedding of the, of the bride with the lamb. Okay. Will we get an actual food substance in heaven? You think? Well, uh, I think after the resurrection, and the millennial okay. kingdom, we certainly will okay. eat in the millennial kingdom, just as the Lord Jesus in his glorified body ate with the disciples on the shore of right. uh, the lake, uh, Lake Kinneret, or the Sea of Galilee, as the, it's sometimes called. And uh, the other, I think, in the, the new creation, we'll be, uh, have our, our resurrected bodies, and it'll be a material world. We won't be just sitting on a cloud. Uh, you know, plucking our harps, we'll actually have physical bodies and we'll have actual physical work. The Bible says his servants will serve him in the new creation. And so, yeah, I think we'll eat, but it'll be better food, I think. So, okay. What I was thinking too, but I figured, well, I better get some clarification. So thank you so yeah. much. I really do appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for your call. Really appreciate it. 
Uh, we're going to speak to Renee in Sarasota, Florida, listening on WKES. Welcome to Open Line, Renee. How can I help you? Hi. I was um, studying, and I was wondering um, what your opinion is on Galatians 3.14, um, which um, says that uh, Jesus um, died and for um, that the blessings of Abraham may come to the Gentiles. And I was wondering what, what it is that you think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some people who think that the blessing of Abraham there refers to every promise that God made to Abraham now is, is taken from Israel and brought to the church. I don't think so. If you go back to when you look at the, the Abrahamic blessings, for example, it starts in Genesis 12, and it says, uh, when God blesses Abraham, uh, and it says, uh, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. There's that word again. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And then here's the blessing, ready? And in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. So there is a promise that even though there are certain promises that go to Abraham and his physical descendants, all families of the earth will be blessed in Abraham. And then uh, when you look at Genesis 22, uh, first it says in uh, verse uh this is after the binding of Isaac. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you. There it is. I will greatly multiply your offspring, your seed, as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed... Now, now this I, I just want to actually stop there. First, he promises that he'll have many descendants. That's the descendants of Abraham... Isaac, and Jacob. Then, actually in Hebrew, right in the middle of verse 17, there is a new sentence. It's a new thought, and it says, and your seed shall possess, and my version here that I'm reading, the New American Standard, is actually wrong. It says, and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. The version says there, but it's literally his enemies. Whenever you have the word seed and the pronoun after it is singular, it's referring to an individual offspring, not the many of like the stars of the sky and the sea, sand of the seashore. So now it's talking about the seed of Abraham in particular, who will rule over his enemies. He shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your seed, that's that individual one again, all nations of the earth shall be blessed. You know what seed that is, that individual seed among the many? That seed is the Messiah. And when it says in Galatians 3.14, in the Messiah Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, that's the spiritual blessings, might come to the Gentiles so that we, through, that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so it's talking about the spiritual blessings that were promised to Abraham, not all the physical or literal uh, material blessings that were promised, like the land promise and such. 
that comes through that, that comes that's promised to the people of Israel. However, the spiritual promises that all nations will be blessed through Abraham, through the Messiah, the seed of Abraham, that's what comes to the Gentiles. Does that help? Yes, that helps a lot. I was also um, thinking of on when God took Abraham through the animals that were cut in half, how um, that 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 was the blessing that was referring to, because I think that's where he said um, that uh, it was bringing his faith was bringing him uh, right yeah, relationship that's where it says, with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Justification by faith, yes. But it's faith. interesting because that, what that yeah. did, the, the, the covenant is uh, is there made with, it's confirmed to Abraham as an unconditional covenant so that Abraham and his descendants mm. are not responsible. Uh, God alone is responsible for fulfilling all the covenant with Abraham. That's kind of cool, don't you think? Yeah. It's an unconditional yeah. covenant. So, yeah. So, okay, well, thank you for your call. Really... Oh, yes. Sure. Oh, how does what? that relate to, you know, when Jesus um, was on uh, the, like, Palm St- Sunday, when he said if, if they told the people to hush, and he said, if you, if you don't let them praise me, then even the rocks will cry out that I could even, you know, raise up children of Abraham from the rocks. Mm-hmm. So... Well, uh, that that's really not about yeah. this. What that's saying is, when people were yeah. recognizing him and celebrating him, uh, people were thinking, "Oh, you shouldn't do this." And and he said, "Nah, uh, God God will make people speak up." And it, it's the children of Abraham praising him now. If 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 they didn't, right. then even mm-hmm. the rocks, God could make children of Abraham <laughs> out of those rocks, and they can speak. So okay. <laughs> Well, anyway, it's okay. yeah. always Great. interesting, isn't it? The Bible yeah. is very like a treasure yeah. hunt. Yeah. All right. Thank you Great. so much. I really appreciate your show. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks for the call. Uh, we're going to uh, talk to Lyle in Cleveland, Ohio. Listen on WCRF. Welcome to Open Line, Lyle. How can I help you today? Thank you, Michael. Um, well, I'm a little bit confused and um that's why I call you because you help me. Okay. Um, I'm writing or doing a study on eternity, and I'm trying to understand how people who have not heard of Jesus throughout the world are confronted with eternity. How do they know that eternity exists if they don't know Scripture? Uh, because. Uh, in Ecclesiastes, it says that God has placed eternity in their hearts. Uh, wow. What that means uh, is that that verse is saying that uh, that what God has done is that he has placed eternity in, it's a natural thing, Human beings presume that there is life after death. Uh, they they think that uh, that God is is that that there. You have to be taught to be an atheist. I really believe that people just presume there's a God as they grow up, and that there's a, a sense of eternality uh, in uh, in their hearts. Uh, and so Ecclesiastes three eleven separates us from animals, 
which don't have eternity in their hearts. Uh, I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, that uh, Here's what it says, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has set eternity in their heart. Uh, and uh, th this is distinct from, from the animal kingdom, in my opinion, uh, that don't have eternity in their hearts. There's a verse in Psalm 73 where the uh, Asaf, the psalmist, says uh, when, he, when he forgot about eternity, when he forgot about that the wicked will one day uh, stand before God, when he forgot that, when he forgot about eternity, he says, I was like a beast before you. You know, and I, I love my dogs. I have my dogs. But they don't have a sense of eternity that God has placed in them. They're, they're not made in the image of God. So therefore, they don't have that sense. You know, all they care about is the next biscuit. They don't care about eternal consequences or anything like that. Uh, you know, which is why they broke into my uh, book bag the other day and ate my lunch. They didn't think about the consequences. They just thought about the immediate get Michael's lunch right now. So that's, that's what I would uh, say. Well, that makes humanity different from the animal kingdom. We are innately built. Uh, into, God builds us with the sense of eternity uh, right in our hearts. Anyway, thanks for the question. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Open Line with Michael Wright Ellick. Mailbag coming up with Trisha, so don't go away. the FEBC mailbag with Trisha McMillan. I am so grateful that the Far East Broadcasting Company, Far Eastern Broadcasting Company, partners with OpenLine to bring you the weekly FEBC mailbag. Uh, we have a live audience all the time, and I wonder if they ever go to the FEBC, because they're listening so actively. Uh, do they ever check out the FEBC.org? website. I hope you will, because it's got a link to the podcast until all have heard uh, with Ed Cannon and Wayne Shepherd. It's a terrific podcast. And it really helps you see all that God is doing in reaching people in unreachable places through the Far Eastern Broadcasting Company. Uh, it's a terrific ministry. I really appreciate them. And I hope you'll check that out. Uh, well, Tricia. Yes. Let me ask you something. Your, your little girl, she's looking more and more like you. Mm -hmm. all the time. Yes. I'm wondering, are you are you whispering in her ear when you get older, just <laughs> a little bit older, it's time to go to Moody? Do you think that? Do you, It's time to go to Moody I, Bible Institute? You know, I I think she, so my kids all call it downtown. I, yeah. <laughs> are we going to go to downtown? But that means Moody Bible Institute because yeah. I'm not, I just say I'm not talking downtown. about visiting no, you. No, I'll tell you I know. I, and I yeah. don't know that we've talked about, I mean, I've mentioned it like, hey, when you get older, yeah. you can come here. But we're yeah. in the throes of surviving first grade and third and fifth yeah. grade. So yeah. <laughs> I haven't well, I mentioned about, it a lot. <laughs> I was thinking about your fifth grader that yeah. I, I want her to come down and visit sometime where we can show her the school. I want to build into her mind. This is where, because, you know, we're, we're, it's a great place to go to school. Tuition paid every resident student in the undergrad program 
has tuition paid for. That is an amazing thing. And we're coming up to the season now when, uh, you know, applications are flying in and we're, we're going to hopefully have a full freshman class in the fall. That's what we're looking forward to. And if you're listening and you think, uh, well, I, I have a son or a daughter, I have a grandson or a granddaughter, or maybe your parents are making you listen. You're a high school student yourself. And you think, where, where am I going to go to school? Well, check out moody.edu. It is the place I think to get the best foundation for life. Uh, now's the time to do it too. So I just wanted to mention that. Okay, Trisha, but I want you to start talking to Andy yeah, now. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, we and go. and you get the double major in Bible. And so you're taking lots of Bible. Like you can go to other Christian schools, which are good and solid, yeah. but but at Moody, you're taking enough Bible classes to have that, to have enough to have a major in that. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't choose that as your major, you're taking enough classes to yeah, I just talked to a whole knowledge. bunch of high school students visiting Moody. yeah. And I, I said to them, listen, we, we're not concerned about where you're going to get your job. What we are concerned about is that every one of us is called to serve God. And whatever your major is here, we're going to equip you to serve God, to be faithful to him. And, you know, regardless of where you get your paycheck, you can be a lawyer, a doctor, you know, whatever it is that you're going to end up doing. But, uh, a carpenter, you know, I'm not trying to just limit it to the professions, but nevertheless, we're going to give you the foundation so that wherever you are in vocational ministry or not, you're going to be able to serve God because that's what we're all called to. That's that's what I love about Moody. So anyway, let's go to the mailbag. All right. Our first question Mm -hmm. is from Amy in Ohio, listens to WCRF. Uh, First, she says, thank you for explaining earlier in the program that we cannot assume that most Jewish people know the Messianic prophecies. She said, my church Bible study is in Romans, and it didn't occur to me until you reminded us that we, who are wild, grafted-in believers, are used by God to help provoke Jewish brothers and sisters to jealousy and ultimately to salvation. She says, for her, that actually happened years ago when a close Jewish friend started studying Old Testament scriptures at her temple because she was unfamiliar with the scriptures I had shared with her, and I still pray for her salvation. Is there a resource you would recommend that presents the Messianic prophecies in a simple way? Mm -hmm. Well, let's see. There's a brand new book. I just skimmed through it yesterday. I just got it. It was published in 2023. Andrew Steinman, who wrote this, he didn't write this to give to Jewish people, but it would familiarize a believer with the messianic passages and uh, it's a just an exposition of messianic passages throughout the hebrew bible it's it's quite good uh it'll really help you andrew steinman is called the messianic message and what i love about it is he's a fine old testament scholar teaches at a lutheran college uh on the west side of chicago west suburbs and at the end of each at the end of the chapter, he's got materials that would give uh, sort of academic support, a reading, if you want to see greater depth, academic support for what they wrote, what he and his, uh, he had a writing partner, wrote in the sort of the basic exposition. And, And virtually all the references at the back are the Moody Handbook of Messianic Prophecy. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, 
Yeah. So I, I love that. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah, so they're the just article after article after article, the Moody Handbook of Messianic Prophecy. So that's that's great. And he does a really good job giving a basic popular exposition. The other book I'd recommend is The Messiah in the Old Testament by Walter Kaiser, Dr. Kaiser, still very much with us. Uh, wonderful Old Testament scholar. I think he must be around 90, uh, but uh, still teaching the Bible. Wonderful, wonderful Old Testament scholar. About 30 years ago, wrote this book, The Messiah in the Old Testament. Really good. Uh, also, there's the links, My Search for Messiah. It's, that's actually not just my faith story. What that is, is I was supposed to do, it's kind of funny about how that panel, that that thing got started. I was supposed to be on a panel uh, for a TV show where we were going to have a discussion about Messianic prophecy. And then then no one showed. So oh. there I was in Jerusalem. I showed up at the place and they said, everyone canceled, uh, the, the producers. And they said, so what we want you to do is just walk around Jerusalem and teach about Messianic prophecy. And I thought, that will be really boring. <laughs> so what I did was I used my own personal faith story and then how those passages convinced me that Jesus is the Messiah. So really I am teaching messianic prophecy, but I'm telling it in the context of my own faith story of how I came to know the Lord Jesus. And, uh, uh, that it was, and the, the other thing that they said about it, which I thought was really interesting, it's, this is for the day of discovery program, the daily bread ministries, our daily bread ministries. They said to me, now, when you talk on this TV show, don't talk like you're talking to a group of Christians. Talk as if you're speaking to Jewish people who don't know Jesus yet. So the entire thing is geared to help Jewish people understand Messianic prophecies. So if you want to uh, see, it's I think it's just two episodes. We've posted them both on Facebook. I look a lot younger there than I do now. That was <laughs> a number of years ago. But anyway, that's something. And I'm writing a book sort of based on that very same concept uh, that I... Let me just say, I've got a contract to write a book of that same sort. Uh, and I've, I've got two books, uh, two book contracts. So I'll, I'll start on one this summer, hopefully finish it in a month, and then start on the Messianic Prophecy book All right. this summer. All right. Well, we can look forward okay. to that <laughs> whenever yep. that comes about. But, yes. but in the meantime, The Messianic Message by Andrew Steinman, which has two ends at the end, um, yep. And then Walter Kaiser, the mess, the Messiah in the Old Testament, and then the Facebook post. There's two of them, right? It's a part one, part yeah. two on our exactly. Facebook page, My Search for Messiah, uh, which kind of tells your story. All right. Yeah. Next question is from Terry in Indiana, listens to WGNR. If God foreknew us before we were born, why did he send us to earth to jeopardize our eternal souls? It seems like if, it seems like if we were already safe in heaven— we would not want to take that chance, and he wouldn't want to take that chance. Okay, so that's a misunderstanding of what it means to foreknow. Uh, it doesn't mean that there is the pre-existence of souls in heaven before we came to earth. To foreknow actually means that God knew us even before we existed. Uh, that he, uh, and that's it's linked to predestination. It's not that just that God knew that we would believe knew in advance that we would believe. What it is, is because God predestined us. The word know in Scripture has the sense of a relationship. 
like like in the old biblical King James, uh, when it talks about Adam and Eve, Adam knew his wife Eve. That's talking about marital relations, right? Uh-huh. So it has the idea of entering into a relationship. So when it talks about God foreknew us, it means that he actually engaged in, in a spiritual relationship with us before we even existed. That's what it means. It doesn't it doesn't have anything to do with preexistence of souls. It's under it's such a hard concept for our finite brains to to grasp. Um like understanding eternity past and eternity future yeah. and understanding right. how God could know us without us actually existing. existing. Yeah. Um it, it just um it's a very hard concept to understand. Yeah, but that's because we're talking about an eternal being <laughs> right? who's omniscient. I wish, yeah, I, wish I also don't always understand. Yeah, so that's Okay, it. all right. Well, thank you for that clarification yeah. and for that question, Terry. So, so we're not, by us being born, it is not jeopardizing anything. No, no. I think what I think is so funny is... Uh, we have this image. I think we get our theology too often from Casper, the friendly ghost yeah, cartoons, yeah. <laughs> you know, where you have these, uh, I remember one of those cartoons once had all the souls up in heaven. They were shot down to earth in a shoot and then they would be born. Uh, yeah. no, <laughs> there's no preexistence of souls. I think origin was a church father who believed in them, but no, the Bible doesn't teach it. There's, we exist at the moment of conception. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. Thank well, you. Well, we're going to take a break. And uh, thank you, Tricia, for those questions. Thanks You're for everyone welcome. who sent them in. Just go to our website, openlineradio.org. There's a link that says, Ask Michael a Question. Click there. And when you click on it, you can post your question, and Trish will get it, and she'll add it to the mailbag. We're going to come right back with more of your calls in just a moment. Thank you, Trisha. We're going to be get back to, but you won't be here. So thank you, Trisha, for what you do. Stay with us. That was Trisha McMillan. I'm Michael Aydell. Welcome back to Open Line. I do want to remind you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That peace will happen when Israel finally comes to a place where they have a victory in this war, this dark times right now. Uh, this war is horrible. It's, uh, I'm praying not just for the peace of Jerusalem, but also praying that God would somehow protect any innocent people that are caught up in the damage that Hamas has done in starting this war. Uh, so we're praying for them too. Anyway, as bad as it is, and I think it is still bad, God has promised the nation of Israel and the Jewish people a fantastic future. Chosen People Ministries is offering open line listeners a free copy of a book called Israel's Glorious Future, a book that reveals God's grand prophetic plan when he will restore Israel and provide for all the promises that he has made. If you'd like to receive a copy, go to our website, openlineradio.org. Scroll down till you see the link that says a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that and fill out the form so you can receive your own copy of Israel's Glorious Future. We're going to speak with Kyle in Lansing, Illinois, listening on WMBI. What's your question, Kyle? How can I help you? Hi, good morning, Dr. Michael. How early 
in the biblical times that people began signing marriage certificates? I don't know. I don't know. Really? I do. Oh. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, I do know that there were in the intertestamental period, uh, as the rabbis developed, they had m- signatures on a marriage, uh, uh, on a ketuvah, uh, the marriage contract. But I don't know if it started in the Bible or not. Sorry to tell you that. What brought? Uh, I'm sorry. What brought that yeah. to mind was that when Moses talked to the people, he said that God granted them a certificate of divorce. Yeah. And I'm thinking if there's a certificate of divorce, then there's their certificate of marriage. Maybe. Doesn't okay. say it, though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Know. Yeah. Okay. Now, so. what about the, the uh, wedding? And, and also, even if, he, even if he gives them a certificate of divorce, uh, then we don't know if anyone signed it. It may have just been a letter of divorce. And I, I don't know. You know what? Uh, if it's possible to know, I've never studied it, so I don't know when wedding bands started. Sorry to tell you that. Uh, I don't uh, know is if it it's biblical? possible to know. Is it's it not unbiblical. unbiblical. It's not. I don't. Oh, okay. I don't see it in the Bible, but it's not unbiblical. So, okay, you know, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Don, okay. Thank thanks. you so much. Yeah, thanks for your call, Kyle. Appreciate it. Uh, we're going to talk with Vera in Chicago, listening to WNBI. Welcome to Open Line. What's your question? So I can answer it here on the lightning round. Good morning, round. yes. Uh, my question is about the uh, plague uh, on Egypt, starting with the plague of blood through the death of the firstborn. What length of time was covered by those plagues? The uh, months, the, the Bible, years? The Bible never says. So there's got to be some time, but the Bible never says. So... I yeah, to tell you that I was looking. Uh, at, I was looking at that and, and, and discovered that it must be a number of years uh, for the vegetation to grow back and and all of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The Bible doesn't say how long though. Uh, you know, the, the, it must not. Sometimes when people ask questions like where did we get wedding rings or uh, in the Bible or how long were the plagues, if God had thought that uh, information were significant or help us. I think he would have included it, but he just, that's just a matter of curiosity, but not something that's really necessary. So that's yeah, why it, I think it the made Bible me think about right. how much patience, uh, I thought about how much patience the um, children of Israel had to, how much they had to depend on God during that period of time, years mm-hmm. probably, uh, before they actually were freed and released from Egypt. Yeah, well, we can say this. It took longer than it takes to read that story, right, about the ten plagues. That's for sure, yes. Yep, yep. Okay, hey, thank you for your call. Appreciate it. We're going to talk with Don in Indianapolis, Indiana, listening to WGNR. Welcome to Open Line, Don. How can I help you? Thanks for taking my call, Mike. Hey, I have a question about Chapter 14 of the Book of Revelation, verse 20. The end of verse 20, it talks about, um, and the blood flowed from the wine press as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia, which I've referenced in another uh, reference Bible is uh, 200 miles. But it also references in this study Bible, uh, New King James, as it's possibly which uh, some hold to the Battle of Armageddon, the bloodshed. 
I was just wanting your opinion on that. I think what's going to happen, if you read Isaiah 63, Isaiah 34, there's a place called Bozrah, where Israel flees to uh, uh, to get to safety. It's what's described in Revelation 12, when the woman flees uh, to a place of safety and God preserves. So part of Israel will flee to this place called Bozrah. Uh, Revelation 12 describes it. I think that is Petra uh, in Jordan. And then in Micah 2, verse 12, the Messiah comes, the breaker, and leads the people back safely to Jerusalem. And when he does that, there will be war as part of the com- uh, the campaign of Armageddon. And the blood will flow, and the distance between uh, uh, that's described in uh, in Revelation fourteen, verse twenty, is the distance between Petra or Bozrah all the way to Jerusalem. So that's what it's describing uh, the the time when the Messiah leads the people out of Petra. At the at the time of the second coming, and uh, he will lead them there uh, and take them there to safety. Uh, Micah two describes what he's doing. I'm pulling it up right here. Micah two twelve, I think it is. Uh, uh, I will put them together like sheep in the fold. That's over in Petra. That's uh, what Bozra means, like a flock in the midst of the pasture. The breaker goes up before them. They break out, they pass through the gate and go out by it. So their king goes on before them, the Lord at their head. That's how he restores Israel from Petra. And that's when he defeats those armies and the blood will flow that distance till Jerusalem. So, well, that's the day. I can't believe it. Every, thanks for listening, everyone. That's it for the for the program. I can't believe it's over already. So glad you listened today. Thank you for doing that. Thanks for those of you who called or wrote in. Thanks for making this program possible. Also, thanks to the Open Line team, Trisha, Bob, Laura. Thanks for doing all that you do. Keep in touch with us by going to our website, openlineradio.org. You'll find our current resource, how to become a kitchen table partner, how to get the free gift from Chosen People Ministries. Keep reading the Bible. We'll talk about it next week. Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. See you next week.